Hello, welcome to the Musics in Japan. A conversational podcast about daily life for an American couple living long-term in Japan. So lately I've been thinking about the story of us. The story of us? Like the whole thing? Yeah. Like how we met and all of that and how we got together. And I've been thinking about it because clients always ask me, well, my most recent intake asked me if I was happy. And I said, yes. And I said, oh, good, because you seem happy. Like they care whether or not their therapist is happy, which I think is awesome. I think everyone should ask their therapist if they're happy. And they also asked me if I was happily married. And I said, yes, I'm happily married. I'm ecstatic with our marriage. I absolutely love our marriage. Me too. I feel like our story has just started though. So I know it's been like a couple decades, but I feel like we're still in the origin stories. So I don't feel like we're in the origin stories anymore because we raised our son. I don't know. I mean, like. He's an adult man now. Like, how old is Batman, right? Because it's Batman's (laughs) age. So, you know. So if they can come out with, like, Batman's origin story now after. I don't know, like, over 50 years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, okay, if we're measuring, like, superhero years, then, yeah, we're still in the, the origin phase. Yeah, but we're the original. We're the golden age. Yeah, we are the golden age. I like that. That's awesome. So, I feel really fortunate that we met in college. Yeah, me too. I think that's, like, a really fun origin story. But a meeting in community college, I feel like, is it doesn't make it more fun, but it does give me a chance to tell people how awesome community college is. I don't feel like Deanza was awesome just because we met. No, it was awesome for other reasons. Yes. <laughs> Lots of other reasons. And that's why I'm saying I like being able to talk to people about those other reasons. Because I'm, I'm really, like, the way that we met was, I feel like Deanza, which was the community college where we met, kind of typified that, that we were both there for self-improvement. Yes. But I think most people, no, I, I think most people of a mature age, but I think I was of a mature age, but you were still like college age. I was still college age, yes. Yeah, because I'm six and a half years older than you. Yes, you are. So I was of a more mature age. Yes, you were of a more <laughs> mature age. And you keep saying that. I'm going to remind people that you're only six years and four months older than me, not six and a half. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so watch out. Yeah, and I always round up to I'm a decade older than you. Yeah, you do. Well, because with you growing up in Alaska and me growing up in California, it does feel like there was a decade in between, like, the popular culture that I experienced and the popular culture that you experienced. No, it works the other way because it took like five years for things to get to Alaska. So a lot of our pop culture references were, were the same. Because one of the first things that we bonded over was the fact that we both really liked cake, not the food. Yeah, I mean, the band. Yeah, I mean, I liked but cake, the food. But we both loved cake, the song Never There, which was playing on the radio. It was their most popular song at the time. Yes. So what are you talking about? I'm talking about, you know. (laughs) You're talking about you don't know? You're talking about us having the same cultural references. I don't know. That reminds me of the day that that Outkast's Hey Ya came on. Yeah. And you called me on the phone. I forget where you were. Maybe at work or something. You called me on the phone. And you said, what's that song? And that's all you said. And I said, I looked it up. It's called Hey Ya. It's by (laughs) Outkast. 
<laughs> yes, you were always doing that for me. I was always calling you up. What's the song? Because you didn't even say anything about what song it was. It was just, what's that song? Yeah. yeah. You, you know, usually you'd have to say, like, I heard this, but I think, hey, yeah, and I think Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes. Yeah, those were both, what's that song? And you knew them immediately. Yeah. So when I was working with uh, applied behavior consultants, I used to call you in between cases because I would drive to their homes. Right, And I would right. always call you in between or when I was in transit. So I wasn't calling you while I was working. I was calling you during my, my transportation time. Yeah, but for me, that was you were at work. Like, I couldn't call you up because you're at work. Yes, that's true. That's correct. So anyways, I like the story of how we met because to me... It's so interesting how many things that had to happen for us to meet because I feel so lucky and so fortunate to have met you. So we had a friend. Well, I had a friend because you didn't know her at the time. Yeah, I didn't have any friends. There was one of the quads at De Anza. I would hang out and smoke cigarettes with my friends. And one of my friends came out of... Um, Statistics class, was it? or econ? Economics. Okay. Came out of econ class. And right before them, you had come out of econ class and you were standing by a tree. Yeah. And I was laughing and talking and she came out and she said to me, I'm going to fail econ. And I said, well, do, don't you know anybody in this class? And she was like, no. And I said, well, who's the, the smartest person in the class? And she pointed to you. And I said, that dude over there? And she was like, yeah. And so I said, hey, you, come here. And you looked down very comically and pointed at yourself. And I was like, yeah, you, come here. And then to my surprise, you actually walked over to us. Well, I mean, now I think you know that, like, somebody yelling at me, it's embarrassing. <laughs> yes. I walked I over to make you stop. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know that you were just, like, trying to make me stop yelling, hey, you. And it was apparent that I was going to keep yelling at you until you came Absolutely. over. Absolutely. And then I asked you, like, I didn't ask you your name or anything. I said, hey, we're all going to lunch. Do you want to come with us? Yeah, it was weird to me that you didn't ask whether I was good at economics. Yeah, I didn't. Because, you know, it, her assumption that I was good at economics... Because I was skipping class. <laughs> it was a pretty big leap. Yes. I mean, I was good at economics, but I hadn't transferred my AP scores. So I could have skipped that class if I had transferred my AP scores. But because I went to high school so long ago, they're on microfiche. So it was like a whole thing to get them transferred because they weren't electronic. Yeah. So I decided to take that class, I, you know, and I was enjoying it. So at the time, that class cost me $35. Yeah. To take that whole class. So I was just like, you know, I'll just take this and, and enjoy myself. So because I was too lazy to get my AP score transferred, we met. <laughs> so yeah, you asked I, me to go I to think, lunch. Yeah. yeah, I think because... So what's interesting is because you had a crush on that friend, I feel like, for me, that's why you came over and the reason that you agreed to go to lunch with us is because you had a crush on that friend. Well, I'd say an eye crush because I didn't even know her name. Yeah. And we're going to leave her name out because, you know, yeah. we're protecting identities. So for me, it was really interesting that 
I had just called you over and invited you to go to lunch with us. And the whole purpose of everything was for you and our friend to connect. And then through the process of lunch, I just found you to be so incredibly interesting. And funny. Yes, and funny. That I feel like that's the more important part. Yes, you always make me laugh. And the fact that you, you tell really smart jokes, I really enjoyed. Because over lunch, we were all discussing a fellow classmate who was a male. And this person had never had sex. And one of our other classmates, because there's a group of like five of us, five or six of us. And they were all discussing this person's virginity. And it was they were kind of lusting after him and I wasn't because I I said he's dumb as a post to which you said don't insult the post yes and that cracked me up yeah so now say the rest of the joke you said don't insult the post because I don't remember the rest of the joke because <laughs> that's the funny part to me he said don't insult the post because something I don't remember the joke now either I just made you forget it yeah you did magic trick Total magic trick. No, I think it was something about the post was smarter than the person because they had atoms or something moving. I don't know. It was a really funny joke at the time. But this is a couple decades ago. I'm old. I'm tired. I can't remember. <laughs> but, and in that moment, I felt so bonded to you. Mm-hmm. And it gave me an exit out of a really uncomfortable conversation. Right. Because I didn't like the fact that everybody was sort of lusting, excuse me, lusting over this guy based on his looks and making a big deal about whether or not the person had had sex. Because I didn't feel like that was any of my business. Right. And whether or not someone has had sex prior to dating me um, doesn't impact how attractive they are to me as a person. I think it's kind of creepy. I mean, I know that it's big in some circles to like want to... Be someone's first. Be someone's first. And I think if if you're a virgin and you want to marry a virgin, that's like, you know, rock on with your virginal self. Like, in in all seriousness. But I think that if you're not a virgin, whether or not somebody else is, shouldn't have any bearing on how attractive you find them. Because I I see it primarily in guys who want to sleep with with women who are virgin. There's like a whole group of, I've known a lot of women that really value male virginity yeah and female virginity it's it's creepy to me yeah i don't i don't value the virginal self but that's just me i don't feel like it's anything special yeah to be someone's first i think if you're someone's first there's just a lot of stuff you're gonna have to teach them i don't don't value teaching in that way you went to college to learn not to teach thank you snaps props so after that, I remember us just becoming really fast friends and hanging out together all the time. And we sort of started to talk about everybody else in our friend group behind their back and just became best friends. Yeah. Well, I mean, not gossip. I think when you say talk about them behind their back, it makes it sound like we were gossiping about people. And I think we were just talking about, like, what they had going on in their life, not drama, just in general, because how everybody came to De Anza was so different. Yeah, because the one friend who was failing econ had, was actually high school age. Right. 
and DeAnza has a really great program for high school students who are struggling um, in their junior year of high school. They can transfer to DeAnza and get their high school diploma while earning college credit. Right. And as soon as I found out that, that ended that eye crush. <laughs> <laughs> Which made me respect you so much. Uh-huh. That was one of the things I like really respected you for, that just knowing someone's age made them not attractive to you. And a lot of people don't have that. And so I, I really admired and respected your integrity and your moral substance because I did view our friend as a child. And when they would hang out with us, they would ask, hey, can is it okay if I drink? Can you slip me some alcohol? And I was always like, no, I'm not contributing to the delinquency of a minor. Just nope. Not yeah, I remember going to the movies with her and some other people, and and we were all over going, ordering margaritas, and, and we ordered her Shirley Temple, and yeah. then when she complained, we ordered her a second one. Yes. And she drank them because she liked them. Yes, she did. So she, <laughs> hung... she was so pissed off at us for that. Yeah, but I think part of the reason she hung out with us, and you know, she could always write and say say it was wrong, is because we we, you know, didn't treat her like she was grown. Because I know as somebody who grew up being treated like I was grown, that was too much responsibility for me. But we also didn't condescend to her. We treated her as a friend. That's what I'm saying. But we didn't like expect her to know everything. And, and I think we treated her as a friend, but also with boundaries. Like Yeah. Nobody ever had sex with her. Nobody, nobody. gave her drugs. Nobody right. gave her alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. So if we were, I think we were a safe space. Yes. Because some of the other people that she was hanging out with at the time, I didn't feel like were a safe space for her. Right, right. But I don't want to go into that because that's her story, not ours. Yes. So we became friends and we became best friends and we were spending all of our time together. Well, it was pretty easy because I had a 7 a.m. or well, 7.30 a.m. class. Yeah. And like a 4.30 p.m. class. So I spent most of my day on campus because I lived pretty far away. So, you know, going back home in between classes just wasn't realistic. And I think your situation was pretty much the same. You had some early morning classes, some afternoon classes. And so we'd spend every time that neither one of us had class just hanging out. Yeah, and I didn't always go to class. And so you spent all of those times hanging out. I know, that was horrifying to me. I mean, the irony of that with me having skipped econ every day yes but i asked the instructor i said i already know this stuff can i skip class yes and they said yes but if you fail the test you're going to fail the class and i said i'm willing to live with that yeah and so i remember we became fast friends and then i remember when we started sleeping together and when we told our friend group, everyone was like, no, you guys are not. And I'm like, we are. We're oh, sleeping yeah, together. Because yeah. we weren't actually a couple. We were just sleeping together. We were friends with benefits at that yeah. point in time. Because I feel like we were polyamorous. And I had kind of a messy relationship that I had been trying to get out of for a year. And you were married to someone else. I was, but I had moved out. Yes. Because I was like, you have to move out. I'm not going to be anybody's mistress. When I saw that, okay, wait, this is going someplace romantic. I think it's important to note that your wife knew that we were sleeping together because you guys had an open marriage. Yes. And I was sleeping with quite a few people. And everybody, while they didn't know your name, they did know that somebody new had uh, 
join the team, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> I just, so, I've been very open that I'm pansexual, and that means that I don't, I'm not attracted to genders, I'm attracted to people. That's what it means for me. It might mean something for someone else. But pansexual to me means that I'm attracted to people, not genders. And it also means that I enjoy sleeping with couples, and I enjoy group sex activities. And so I had a couple of couples I was seeing, and I also had a couple of singles I was seeing. And you were very aware of that when we started hanging out together. Yeah, I was aware of it when we were friends. And I think that one of the reasons that we became a couple, and that we started sleeping together before we became a couple, was that I never judged you for it. Well, I didn't care whether or not people judge me. I've never cared. I've always felt like people are going to judge me. Yeah. And I just have decided a long time ago to not care. Well, I just felt like that was your life and your business, and you were choosing to share it with me, but I didn't feel any particular ownership. Yeah, and I feel like if who I sleep with is none of your business, unless you're sleeping with me. Right. And I always practice safe sex, and I got regular STD screenings and all of that to be safe, and I'm very, very happy that I don't have any STDs. And... I was very happy that you don't have any STDs. I also asked my partners to get regular STD right. screening. Because it's interesting that I was polyamorous, but also a little bit of a germaphobe. And I've yes. always been, like, really afraid of, of HIV because I grew up in the 80s and lost a lot of friends to that. Yeah. And I've always been terrified of herpes. Like, I, I don't want to get herpes. Now that I've grown and matured, I think there are worse things that can happen in life than getting herpes. But when I was having... a sleeping with a lot of different people. Those were the two big ones that I was most concerned about contracting. Yeah. Well, I, and, and just, you know, I know it's early days yet in the podcast, but just in case anybody starts lusting after us, <laughs> we, are, we are now monogamous. That is so funny to me. I really don't think anyone's going to start lusting after us. Well, just in case. We're, we're monogamous and have been for a very yeah, long time. Yeah, because I'm going to be 50 this year. I feel like the time for people... Last year, I'm 50, I'm married, I have an adult wow, child. Wow, you actually are going to be 50 this year. Yeah, I know, I've been calling myself 50 for three years. No, you've been calling yourself 50 for seven years. Oh, God, no, I didn't start calling myself 50, I think 44 I started calling 43, myself. 43 you started calling yourself 50. Really? Yeah, because I'm, fo I'm 43 now, and you were like... <laughs> 43 is closer to 45 than it is to 40. <laughs> and once you're 45, you're 50. Yes. Because I like the gravitas of 50. Yes. I just do. And I have gray hair now. So I don't feel like I'm past it. I just feel like I don't carry myself in a way that inspires lust. Because I have, like, basically the same clothes every day. Right. Like, I don't wear makeup. My hair's up in a bun. I always wear jeans and a tank top and a button-down shirt over that. And I, like, look the same. And I'm more into being a therapist than right. I am to being a sex object. So I think I kind of work very hard to not be sexualized. And because of my history and because I used to be a sex worker, I really value not having a sexualized persona now. So that's why I was laughing, like, I'm actually working to prevent that, so... Well, yeah, and I, I imagine that's probably helpful with not getting, you know, the transference, if that's what it's called, from your, your clients as well. Yeah. You don't, 
you don't want that attraction from them. Well, I have a very, very strong belief and view that for me to have sex with a client, for me, my understanding, my education informs me that that would be rape because they can't truly consent because of the power dynamic. Right. And so I have had clients develop crushes on me and I'm very clear to them and we unpack it, we explore it, we talk about it. And usually by the end of the conversation, they no longer have a crush on me. Yeah. Because I do talk um, because I am sex positive and kink positive and sex worker positive. Excuse me. Sometimes sex is a big part of the conversation and working with couples, sex is usually a big part of the conversation. So in talking about sex with me, sometimes um, my openness and my acceptance can cause a spark of attraction. Right. And then we explore that and explore how acceptance shouldn't, for me, acceptance shouldn't lead to attraction. You shouldn't be attracted to everyone who accepts you. Yeah. And there's usually something deeper going on there. So, yeah, I work really hard to not be to not be as a sexual entity anymore. And I just, I'm so in like my mom's space and my wife's space and your professional I, space. And yeah, yeah. It just it's my not, life is so about other things. It's now. not something you share with the world anymore. Correct. And so, to me, I'm like when people are shocked to me, I'm like. No, there's something else going on. It's not. <laughs> and not that you actually want to have sex with me. There's something else going on. It's an emotional thing rather than like, actually wanting to have sex with me. So I think that the, the history of us, I really love our history. And I really love that because you're a member of the ACCJ. And then the ACCJ members said that we're in the... In the cupcake phase. And I love that. Yeah, so I was at a, a, a barbecue, a fall barbecue, and he's married, and he was talking to, he was, he was hitting on some of the women there. It's just such a tragedy to me. Yeah. Uh, and he said, well, and there's Chad, Chad and Christopher, they're, they're still in the cupcake phase of their marriage. <laughs> and so now, yes, yes, with pride, we are in the cupcake phase. Yes, we are happily, happily married. And I think it's because our our marriage is as hokey and corny as it sounds. I really did marry my best friend. Yes. And there have been times when our friendship in our marriage, with it being, you know, we're two decades in, there have been times in the marriage that it was the friendship that kept the marriage going. I think so. I mean, because... I- I mean, I I almost never talk about her, but my first wife, I feel like I was intellectually compatible with, but we weren't really friends in the way that you and I were friends. Yeah. And so it it barely lasted a year that that marriage. Yeah. And you know, I wish her well, but I haven't talked to her since we got divorced. And my first wife, because yes, I was married to a woman before um, you and I got together, but she was not my most recent relationship. In my first marriage, I feel like there was some serious compatibility issues. We were together five years, but we were only um, married for one. And it wasn't legal, but we were married in Reno. And at the time, because she had a mustache and goatee, they didn't look at the gender on her driver's license. And they issued us a marriage license, and we were able to get married. Oops. (laughs) So it wasn't... 
it was legal, <clears throat> but it wasn't legal, so we tried to get a divorce and all of that. They were yeah, like, when you and I got married, we, we asked the, the lawyer who was handling my divorce, like, what do we do about yours? She was so confused. <laughs> she was like, there's, it was never legal, so there's nothing to do. Yeah, and it, and my ex never, I did actually serve divorce papers that they, they never signed. Yeah. So that marriage wasn't legal. So we didn't really go through a divorce, and we're still we're still friends. Yeah, we're still friendly. I don't know if we're friends. If you're listening to this, you owe me an email. <laughs> <laughs> but I still have just a lot of love in my heart for them, and you get along with them really well. Yeah, yeah. So, but my most recent ex before we got together was very tumultuous and painful and so it's so confusing because I went from so to make it less confusing I was with a woman for five years and I kind of have a habit of switching genders in between relationships the gender of your partner right yeah the gender of my, yeah the gender of my partner not mine and I was with a man and we were together for five years and then at the end of that relationship is when I started being polyamorous and dating lots of couples and just living my best life because I didn't want a relationship after that because it was really painful and twisted and bad who we were when we were together was just toxic it was just a sad toxic relationship yeah and I think that's that just makes me think that, you know, I love being in love with you and I love being married to you, but I don't think that you can't, let me, let me not do the double negative thing. I think you can have a, a rich and fulfilling life being single. Yes, I do too. And I think you can have a rich and fulfilling life having kids or not having kids. I do too. So yeah, I, but you were saying. <laughs> did you lose your train of thought? I did. Okay. I, I did. So I felt really happy and fulfilled in, in what I was doing. And so when we met, I wasn't looking for a relationship, but I think I low-key was. Mm -hmm. Because I had did that, um, there, there was this thing going around on the internet. And at that time, it was right when email had just started. And I got a, thing, a chain letter in the email that said, fill this out and then send it to 10 people. And the thing that you were supposed to fill out was who the person of your dreams was. Right. And interesting to me, then this is what caused us to get together, is when we were sitting in the cafeteria at De Anza, and I was reading my list, and I looked up, and you jokingly said that you were my list. Yes. And when I looked up, I it felt like I was looking at you with completely fresh eyes, like the veils were taken off my eyes because the number one thing that I had on my list was dark chocolate. I wanted <laughs> like I wanted a man that was so dark that his skin was purple. Uh-huh. Like so black he's purple. And so for me, I just I was really focused on having an African American partner and I hadn't considered non African Americans for for partnership. And I had been with non-African-Americans before, and I'd been with African-Americans. I was equal opportunity. I just had always assumed that my life partner would be black. Right. And 
when you said, hey, that list describes me, I was like, snap, it does. And that's when your race was no longer an issue for me in terms of dating. I remember that. <laughs> and it was a lot of, I had to do a lot of, a lot of work and, and education because I had dated white women, but right. I had never dated a white man. And so it was surprising and interesting to me how, like, I thought I understood dating white people because I had dated lots of white girls. Right. But dating a white guy is so different. And I had slept with lots of white guys, but I had never actually coupled with uh-huh. and had a relationship with a white guy. But there was just so much stuff you didn't know. Well, I mean, I think the family that I met, because I met a lot of your family, but it was all on your dad's side. Yeah. So, and, you know, your dad's side is African-American and black and indigenous, and there's a lot of different different mix on that side. Yeah. But I didn't ever meet anybody. And European. Your, and European. And I, but I didn't ever meet anybody from your mom's side. I still haven't, to this day, met anybody from your mom's side. Because we've never been to Alabama. Right. They're all in Alabama. <laughs> so when I met you, you were like, you know, I think it was like three or four months after we met, you finally said something to me about why don't you ever ask me like what ethnicity I am yes because you're one of the few people in my life that haven't asked me what my ethnic background is because being multiracial usually people will ask me what are you and I always think I'm human Mm -hmm. I'm a woman I'm human what do you mean and I usually make it uncomfortable for them because I wish people would get to know me because I feel like if you get to know me then all of that history will come out when it's relevant. Right. And I always find that interesting because I, I see people ask you, where are you from? And you're like, I'm from California. Well, but where are your parents from? And yeah. like, Oklahoma. Like, but, but where are you? And, and, you know, then it's fun for me to cut in with, yeah, no, she's like American from the way back. But me, you know, my grandma came from Norway and both my grandpas came from England. Yeah. So, you know, I'm second generation American from three of my four grandparents. Yeah. And so they find it really frustrating. And I wish people would just be honest if they want to know what my ethnic background is. Yeah. And so I don't, it's, sometimes it bugs me and sometimes it doesn't. It just depends on my mood that day. Yeah. And the fact that you had never asked me was really, really nice for me. Because interesting enough, on the list of what I wanted in a man, I wanted, because I did want it to be a male partner. I, At that point in time, I had decided that I wanted my life partner to be male. And so for me, one of the things that was really important was he had to love my hair. Mm-hmm. Because I have really curly hair, and one of the partners I had before, I had straightened my hair for New Year's Eve. And it was just for New Year's Eve. I don't like straightening my hair. And they would just complain and complain that I never straightened my hair. And she drove me nuts with that. Like, I stopped seeing her because of that. (laughs) Like, she asked one too many times, why don't I straighten my hair? And I was like, okay, I'm done with you because you're annoying. And I had a couple that I had stopped seeing because they were, like, in love with my curly hair. Like, so when people would become obsessed with my hair, it felt like they were fetishizing my hair. Exoticizing you. Yeah, and I just didn't like it. And the fact that you didn't was refreshing for me because this is happening on both sides of the fence with all the different races that I 
what I was dating, and I was dating a melting pot of people. So even African Americans, people with Latin history, people with Asian history, with Caucasian history, just all the different races were always obsessed on my skin color, my eyes, and my hair. And I just, because I have uh, hazel eyes, and so sometimes they look green, sometimes they look blue. And just fixating on those things, and you never did. I think maybe because I'm autistic, or I don't know why, I'm just not a very visual person. So, like, the I when we met, I thought you were good looking, but it, that was not a factor in my attraction to you. It was our conversations, it was our friendship that made me attracted to you. Yeah. And so I, I just, you know, when my friends met you, they were like, wow, she is smoking hot. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, how are you guys getting together? <laughs> <laughs> but all of my people thought you were incredibly hot. And I think you're smoking hot, too. Thank you. I've always thought you're incredibly handsome. You're beautiful. And your facial hair is just absolutely stunning. Thank you. Yeah, it's always I, I stunning. often see people stunned by it walking down <laughs> the street. It's so funny now because I was totally impressed with your beard when we first met. Oh, yeah, pictures of it now. It's like that patchy little thing. Yeah, because so, it was like it did cover your entire job, but it wasn't like beard. Like I feel like now you have like a capital B beard. Yeah, I got somebody telling me for the first time like a month ago that like you've got a ZZ Top beard. I'm like, I've arrived. Yeah, but I don't think you have a ZZ Top beard. It's only midway down your chest. Yeah, and this is probably as long as it ever gets. It tends to fall yeah, out it when it breaks gets... off, yeah. so... You're, you're not getting a ZZ Top beard. See, I knew you weren't going to let me have it. <laughs> no, that's Mother Nature not letting you have it. That's your genetics. Because your beard breaks off. So, and when we met, I had long hair. Yeah, you did. So I think this is a funny story. When we met, I had long hair, and I, but I was balding. I've been balding since I was 14. <laughs> no, I think maybe 16? No, you've seen the pictures from 14. <laughs> okay, I thought you were 16 in those pictures. No, some of them I'm, I'm only 14. Okay. So, I've been balding since I was 14, but I had long hair and I had a ponytail. and Which I did not like. Yeah. I also had a convertible, so I was always just combing my hair and just like ripping through it. And yeah. That, that horrified you. And you said, you should shave your head. Oh, and I had dyed my hair red. I yes, forgot your about, hair was red. I forgot about that because I only ever dyed it once in my life. I, <laughs> I dyed it red just before I started, just before we met. And I said, well, okay, if 10 people tell me they think I look better bald, yeah. then I'll, shave, I'll let you shave my head. Yes. I think it took you like a day to find 10 people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I just asked people, wouldn't he look good bald? Don't you think Chad should shave his head? Yeah, and then... I shaved your head. Yeah. And it's so, so funny. To me, the funniest thing that ever happened when we were getting together was when you drove over to my ex's house and they rode up on a bike. Yes. So do you want to tell the story? No. Okay, so they <clears throat> they rode up on a bike and they came up and they're like, who the fuck are you? We shouldn't cuss. Who the F are you? Because we want to have, like, a G-rated. Who are you? What are you doing here? All of this. And, like, banging on your door. And then you got out of your car and they rode away. Okay, but wait. So you want to have a G-rated, but even though we're going to talk about sex work and all of that kind of stuff? 
Yeah, I don't think we're going to be able to have a G rating. <laughs> but I'm trying not to curse. I'm okay. Trying, trying okay. not to curse. But, you know, that one came out. I don't know, because I haven't decided yet. Are we cursing or not? Yeah, I think we are. But, I, you know, I, I'm not a gratuitous cursor. I yeah. always have a reason when I do it. <laughs> and I'm a gratuitous cursor. Yeah. The F word is, like, my favorite word. So between the two of us, we're probably average. Yeah, there you go. So, yes, yeah, so he rode up on his bike, and, and I was waiting outside with another friend of ours. Yeah. And he was like, who are you? I'm going to kick your ass. And, like, you know, I'm six inches taller, 100 pounds heavier. Yeah. And the person I was with, a woman, yeah, is 6'2", six 6'3". Six I don't think she was 6'2". She's at least 6'2". Really? Yeah. Okay. She's at least 6'2". With a black belt. With a black belt. And, t- like, she, and enjoys violence. And enjoys violence. Enjoys telling people. Yeah. Enjoys stomping a fool. Yeah. I, I want to tell a brief story. Okay. I'm not going to say her name. But she had come over to my apartment <laughs> to hang out. She had come over to my apartment to hang out. And... I had plans later, so I wasn't going to be able to drive her home. This is when I was driving before I got diagnosed with epilepsy. And they said, well, you know, we're not going to take your license, but if you get in an accident and you hurt somebody, you're going to jail for murder because you know that you shouldn't drive. Yeah. Which I thought was totally irresponsible of them. But so she had called a taxi to take her home. And then my plans fell through. So I was like, I could drive you home. So we're walking to my car, and the taxi pulls up, doesn't know what she looks like, doesn't know who they're <laughs> looking for. Yeah. And she says, hey, I don't want you anymore. <laughs> and the taxi driver gets upset. And she says, don't make me snatch you through that window and break you in half. Yes. And but interestingly enough, it was that event that made you decide that you couldn't be with her. Yes. Because there was five of us girls in the group, and each one of the girls wanted to partner with you. Yes. And I waited until you went through all of them. So by went through, you mean rejected? Yes. Because I... You didn't sleep with any of them. No. <clears throat> if you had slept with any of them, I we wouldn't have gotten together. Because for me, I just... I don't like sleeping with people my friends have slept with yeah. unless it was a group sex activity yeah <laughs> <laughs> and unless it happens at the same time which not saying who but some of them wanted to try that yes and so because i remember calling you up here in a business meeting and saying hey do you want to have a threesome this weekend <laughs> yes <laughs> and you're like um i'm in a business meeting and i was like yeah okay whatever but do you want to have a threesome this weekend <laughs> Now I would say, let's discuss this later, which means that's probably what I said then, because I haven't changed very much in my responses. Yeah, you did say, let's discuss this later. And then when we talked about it, the third person who was supposed to be the third chickened out and was like, no, they didn't want to. And so I was like, okay. And so I think that the reason they had asked me to ask you if you wanted to have a threesome is because they were afraid to find out whether or not you were sexually attracted to them. Right. They were really insecure. And then when they found out that you were attracted to them, they just did a bunch of really 
I felt shady things mm-hmm. in terms of like having to go shopping and buy them things and a lot of stuff that made you feel not good about partnering with them. So it was interesting to me to watch everybody kind of burn their bridges with you. Yeah. And it was also very comforting to me emotionally to watch people burn their bridges with you and just see your, what I think of as your sexual integrity mm-hmm. in terms of just not sleeping with people you do, you don't like. Right. And to be clear, I was sleeping with people I didn't like at the time. So I felt like you had better sexual integrity than I did. And it made me really start to reflect and think about, you know, who I was sleeping with mm-hmm. and why am I sleeping with them if I don't enjoy their company? Right. And I really just, for me, I feel like I became a better person with more self-respect through knowing you. I feel like I've had that for myself, too. I feel like I'm a much better person now than I was when we met. Yeah, and so to me, that's the story of us, is that I'm a much better person now than when we met, and that's for knowing you. That's nice. Yeah, and I feel like that's why the story continues, because I think I'm going to continue to become a better person. I think I feel the same way. Because I'm not perfect. So too. A lot of people tell me I am. I think you're perfect. Right. I tell you you're perfect <laughs> all the time. You ain't got to change a thing. But I, I know that that part of what I value so much in our relationship is that the wedding vow that we made to each other which maybe we'll tell the story of our wedding another time because it's it's funny, I think. Yeah, it is. But the wedding vow that we made to each other is that we would always continue to grow and change. Yes. It wasn't love, honor, and obey. It was that we would always grow and change and that we would always treat each other as a friend. Yes. And I feel like we're still doing that today. And I feel like we did that during the hard years because yeah. we did have some hard years in our marriage. Yeah. And so... For me, I'm grateful that you stuck around through the hard years. I'm grateful you stuck around, too. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy here now, baby. Yeah? (laughs) (laughs) Me, too. I'm happy here and now. And we hope that you are happy here and now, listening. Yes, we hope all our listeners are happy here and now, living their best life. And come back next week for more. Yep, talk to you then. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. You can keep the conversation going on our website at themusicsinjapan.com. That's the music spelled M-U-S-I-C-K-S. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at The Musics on both. And if you'd like to support us, please visit our website to sign up for our newsletter, join a Patreon tier, or send us a one-time donation through PayPal or Ko-fi. We hope you'll listen again next week. Bye.